Hello, welcome to Lit KC. I'm your host, Jason Prue. Today my guest is James P. McNamara. James is a poet and collage artist working out of Kansas City. Today James and I talk about being rebellious in your youth, almost getting thrown out of Catholic school, what it takes to uh, send someone to the dark side of political activism for leftist causes. And I'm being facetious there. We live in interesting times, folks. uh, And that's often as much a curse as it is a blessing. So let's get into it. Here he is, James P. McNamara. All the toll clerks out on... uh out on 70 highway heading out to like Topeka they're gone like like everything shuts down like how did you have you always been a politically active person or did you come into that later in life uh were you a little punk rocker growing up I wasn't like a punk rocker yeah I was kind of like a a, a precocious pedant you know <laughs> like like, I was like, one of those guys that, like, I very easily could have been, like, the worst kind of right-wing libertarian. Like, the Paul Ryan type of guy. <laughs> yeah. Or I would have gone, like, just, like, a full communist. Those were my only two options politically. I was never going to float in the middle. So what uh, what tilted you one way versus the other? It was the Iraq War. No shit? Yeah, like, I remember being in high school when it kicked off. It was, like, my last year of high school. And, uh, and like... Like, we were already in Afghanistan. And at that point, I was still kind of like, kind of like, well, I guess it's an okay war type of person, right? Like, I was like, it meets these criteria. Uh, which, like, now I would be like, no, fuck that. Yeah, no shit. But, Did you know uh, people that were over there? Uh, I, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I knew people that were, uh, like, like my uncle was in Iraq. Yep. Like, he was in there. But, um, but, yeah, like, when we went to Iraq, I was like, wait, hold a second. Whoa, 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 why are we going there? This doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, because like I said, I was like a, a, like a pedant. So I was like trying to like pull the logical thread, you know, like like 18-year-old B is sitting there like, wait, no, 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 These are two separate things. And then I got yelled at a bunch by my classmates. Uh, generally just became like an outcast because of it. Because you started questioning why we're in Iraq? Yeah, Where did you go to school? I went to school, to Catholic school. Where? And like, but it, uh, it was called O'Hara. Here? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, and they... Uh, in KC proper? Yeah. Still open? Uh, uh, they just closed down a couple years gotcha. ago, I think. But, um, but yeah. Yeah, I became like a real outcast to because of that. Because uh, it was just kind of like, a, uh, you know... Like, I don't know, I think it's a really hard era for people to remember. I think especially now, because, like, Trump has, like, so much blindness. Like, we've got, like, Trump blindness... And just everything is about him and his fucked up Well, circus. I long for the glory days of George W. Bush. Yeah, uh, but, like, I think we forget how fucking crazy people were then. It was nuts all around. Yeah, like, there was a Dixie Chicks burning parties where people were buying their CDs because they're conservatives and they have to buy it first. They don't know what a fucking boycott is. They don't know how that works. So they were buying their shit and burning it in pyres. And, like... You know, like, uh, when I started doing Iraq war protesting, like, people were spitting at me and, like, yelling at me. And I was, like, I look like I do now, which is just kind of, like, a really, like, upset (laughs) 17-year-old. But except without the upset part, you know? I just looked like a tiny baby. Uh, And, like, so there's just people just screaming at these, like, possibly pushing the age of 20 babies (laughs) about this. 
like getting red mad nude in real life. Were you down on the plaza protesting? I did I did a couple of those yeah. and then like uh, like sort of like I guess like my left wing politics started to like form, started to cohere in some ways. And so we started doing uh, like protests at different spots and things like that. Um, just as like our own thing because we're like standing around with the sign and getting people to honk your yeah. horn or like scream at you, like run up and scream at you in a park. It's like, well, if someone's going to scream at me, like at least we should do something that feels more effective. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then, you know, uh, then it's just kind of been... So, yeah, that's 15 shifting. years ago, man. Yeah, that's 15 years ago. I've and been... you're still fighting the good fight. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Uh, Shit hasn't seemed to change. <laughs> no, it, it hasn't. <laughs> it hasn't at all. Uh, it's just like more... Do you feel like... You know, it's pre-Trump, I would have thought, okay, things are on left, right, money's fucking everything up, and it mm-hmm. is always going to. But pre-Trump, I thought, hey, people have their senses about them. Mm-hmm. Now I just feel like people have lost their mind on the right completely. Mm-hmm. And they probably say that about the left. I don't know why. I don't know what the evidence is there for that. But I think, I feel that this past year, now with the Me Too movements, mm-hmm. you think we're gonna get a voter turnout to actually <laughs> change this shit? In I mean, the fall? I, I mean, you know, I don't know. Like, like the the neoconservative project of like the late of like the late eighties, culminating into George Bush. Like they won, like they resoundingly won. Like they kicked everyone's ass. Like, the, the fact that the Dixie Chicks albums were getting set on fire and it was making cable news was, like, shows you just, like, how much shit changed from, like, 1999 to, like, 2004. Yeah. That's a five-year span of, like, all of the the dumb, like, bureaucratic treachery of the Clinton years and then, like, Dixie Chicks records getting set on fire. Like, yeah. within, like, within the year, like, within me being in high school, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that's what changed, you know? So, like, like, and that changed the Democratic Party, too. Like, I don't know if the opposition's very effective. Yeah. To be honest with you, like, I, I look at them and I go, like, you know, like, Obama's biggest W is Obamacare. And that's, like, pretty conservative legislation, you know? His biggest W is some stuff that, like, uh, what is it, the Heritage Foundation was floating. So what's it going to take, t- man? I, I, what do you think? I think those teachers in West Virginia have yeah. the right idea. I think if you want things to change, you have to force it. I think, like, you actually have to exercise some sort of popular political power. And, like, if if someone wants you to be able to vote on that political power, if that, which personally I feel is unlikely, uh, then, like, cool. But it's only going to work if they're responding to, like, serious tension. Yeah. Like, Chuck Schumer is going to swing real hard left if he feels like he's going to get his ass whooped. You know what I mean? Like, if he feels like when he leaves his house, he's going to catch an ass whooping, uh, then, like, he'll be like, oh, everybody gets uh, medicine now. Uh, that's cool. You know? <laughs> like, Do you still find it difficult to be a progressive in this city? In Kansas City? Yeah. I find it difficult to be... Uh, I guess it depends what kind of progressive... Like, like, if you want to be, like, the sort of uh, centrist Democrat progressive, I think it's very difficult in Kansas City. 
or no, that's not difficult. That's actually very easy. I mean, like, if you want to be, like, sort of, like, a left-wing progressive, like, economic progressive yeah. policies and, um, and, you know, especially sort of, like, um, abortion access, things like that. Like, that's stuff that that's sort of, like, central wing, like, they're not going to touch. Like, they'll, they'll sell you out on that stuff real quick. And I feel like that's, with the way this city is run, like, I feel like this is very much sort of that, like, uh, 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 sort of corporate progressive type of project, you know, where you don't actually sort of create, like, an architecture of, like, plans and ideas that have, like, a future. You just sort of, like... You're chasing, yeah. Yeah, you just kind of, like, hope a market figures it out or a market pops up to take care of it rather than just being, like, uh, everyone in the city gets flu shots by uh, 2024. You still live in the city proper. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Have you thought about being involved in local politics at all? Like, running for office? Uh, no. No? No. Do you have any interest in going that route? Or are you still going to give it a few years and settle into it? (laughs) I don't know, man. Like, like, I don't know... Like, all you would have to do was find some of my old Twitter profiles, and that shit's off the table. Like, yeah, I'm a little too rowdy. I'm a little too rowdy, I think. But then again, maybe that shit flies now. Maybe, like, maybe the things that you I thought... You look at who's running this damn country, man. Yeah, like, maybe the things I thought were, like, too rowdy and uh, too wild. Like, like you know, I've, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about, like, Trump. I was like... It doesn't seem unreasonable to think that someone could run for city council on a platform of defunding KCPD. Probably not. Like, which is something I'm into, because we spent, like, uh, fucking $5 million for them to get, like, a drone program or some shit. So, like, no thanks. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, but that's like, pretty wild. But, like, you know, you think about that, you're like, is that so wild now? Because, like, uh... This dude's, like, got, like, his, You like, haven't committed any federal crimes, you're probably all right. <laughs> and you're still doing better than the president. Yeah, yeah, uh, easily, easily. How much of your politics works into your writing? It's kind of like the basic presupposition. Yeah. Like, it's just, uh, it's like my starting point. Which is why, like, a lot of my stuff doesn't seem like it's expressly political. But it's it's framed from, like, a, a politically informed worldview. Well, it's very, from, from what I've read about... Outside of the obvious ones that are very like potently in, in your face politically, most of them they're about people and they're about you know that's politics is about the people. Yeah, uh, you know, like uh, I've got this series of poems that I guess I'd been. I think I've lost most of them now, but uh, just because they were in like shitty notebooks in apartments I didn't take care of, but <laughs> but like they're just numbered, and they're just like me documenting the things I see around town. And, like, I became really fascinated with, like, the idea of, like, portraiture as words. Yeah. And, like, that's really politically informed for me because the reason I do them is, like, a lot of them are about, like, people, like, kissing on a park bench or, like, feeding birds. And I'm just really fascinated by these moments where, like, uh, repressive systems can't get to you. Where, like, capitalism can't get to you. Where, like patriarchy or white supremacy can't get to you like when you have like these like public private moments where it's you're just like a person feeding birds yeah or you know you're just uh kissing your sweetie pie at the Somebody bus stop living. Yes. yeah <laughs> like like to me that shit is so fascinating and so like in like uh it's like the it's like fuel for me as like a writer and as a person like 
just seeing people participating in that sort of like uh, fleeting bubble of like uh, like self actualization, I guess, is like is like fucking inspiring as hell to me. Do do you consider yourself a very spiritual person? You went to Catholic school. Are you a practicing Catholic? No, 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 no. no but no. you did you go all the way through grade school through the Catholic yeah, school yeah, system? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you can't get through that right without having some sense of like. A, yeah. A, 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 I mean, it, not the faith per se, but what's behind that? Is it necessary? You know, it's. I mean, it's got to inform you as well. It does, but it informs me in kind of, like, odd ways. Yeah. Like, uh... Like, I think the primary thing I learned in schools like that was that it doesn't take much to press power. It doesn't take much bucking to to throw people off. Yeah. And that was kind of, like, what I was interested in. I was kind of interested in seeing, like, where the limits were. You know, like... Did you get in trouble a lot? Oh, hell yeah. No? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. I almost got thrown out of my high school like four times. Like, give me a, a, a why once. A why? Just once. Okay, just once a why. Uh, this, is, this is funny. So, um, we had this, uh, we had this, like, so it's like, this is like my junior year. We had this guy they brought in. He was like the student counselor. And the school I went to had a, a real run of folks that they brought in as, like, their counselors. Like, people who were, like, very clearly sort of uh, had, like, a lot of their own issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, you know, nobody's looking at these schools. Like, it's not like, you know, it's not like a, a place that has, like, federal checks and balances. No, that's one of the downsides of those that private system. Like, it's, mm-hmm. hey, we'll vouch for well, you. Well, and, like, you know, like, we were there on tithe, yeah. you know, my brothers and sisters. So, like... And there was a lot of us, so the tithe got, like, a lot cheaper. <laughs> but, like, but, um, so, uh, there's this, uh, dude, and he fucking hated me. He was, like, an ex-military guy. Uh, I don't know what his deal was. I don't remember his name, either. He was, he had that, that real, that, he had that, uh, marine dad haircut. Yeah. And that, that, that barrel Bantai, chest. barrel chested. Yep. Yeah, the, the barrel chest. And he was all about, like, making a man out of people. And this like, was your counselor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the dude who's supposed to be like, let's find out what you want to do in the future. And he's like, he's like, I'm going to kick this kid's ass until he's a, mm-hmm. a, he's a cop for the police. Like, that's what he wanted to do. And I was like, I was like, you know, I was like, I was like, I'm going to paint my nails this week. You know what I mean? Like, I was just like, I was just like, kid, I was like, I'm going to paint my nails this week again. I think I'm going to go teal. I think I'm going to go with like a nice teal teller. I used to paint my nails a lot. Uh, not because of any particular subculture uh, affiliation. I just thought it was pretty. I just thought it looked nice, you know? (laughs) Like, I wasn't, like, trying to be, like, uh, goth or hardcore. I was just like, I really like orange, you know? (laughs) Uh, And, man, he flipped his shit. I was just walking in. Like, dude started yelling at me, like, freaking out. I had to go. He was, like, he, like, try was, like, he was, like, uh, he, like, pulled up a bunch of, like, rules and stuff. Uh, to, like, essentially make it to where I couldn't graduate high school. Was there a rule that said you couldn't paint your damn nails? Yeah, yeah, there was stuff like that. But it's like, you know, like, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Like, that, that's kind of like where I was at. I was like, why would anyone bother with this? Like, they're almost rid of me. That's right. <laughs> like, they're almost rid of me. But, yeah, he tried to kick me out of high school for, like, painting my nails. He I don't know if that was... to kick you out? Yeah, 
Yeah, and then it was just because of like uh, it was just because of kind of like a tiny, like it was just like a tiny little thing. Like they're not gonna do shit about this, <laughs> you know? Like, so it's like not even like that bad of stuff. I was just kind of a pain in the ass kid. Yeah. Like like I was just wanted to be like you probably just pissed them off enough, and they're like, okay, I, yeah, it doesn't matter yeah. what you do. I think maybe that's where a lot of this like activist shit comes from. Is that it's like I just really like seeing people who have assumed some power like not feel entirely comfortable with it on a certain level oh well, like, yeah they should question it like yeah. why are we here yeah like like i like i'll never have sympathy for someone who gets the job of senator or mayor oh. like like there's no like i i can't identify with someone who's like uh who's like i can make decisions for millions of people who like thinks that they've got like that clarity of mind to right. do so they're like they're like this entire city I know what we're doing. I'm like, I don't know. hold on a second, man. It's a lot of motherfuckers here. Yeah, there's a lot of people here, and like, they're all like different. They might want to talk it out more. And uh, no, but like, so like, I, I think like that just came from just like me always uh, being sort of combative with priests yeah. and teachers and yeah. things like that. You know, like, did you did you find yourself very motivated by political music? Like, I mentioned punk rock before, but I know you're also a big rap fan. Did you listen to much of like you know militant, politically active rap music? Uh. Or did that come later too? Because you wrote. How long have you written for, dementia? I wrote for dementia for about three years, four three years, years maybe. Yeah. Um, but like uh, rap was just something that like there's sort of like the process of my age group. I think. Gotcha. Like you know, if you're like in your mid thirties, or like. Or like early forties, like you like rap music, yeah. like you like rap music. That's it. Like, you you did you couldn't escape. You couldn't escape Tupac. Like, you like you like Pac. Like, <laughs> you know. Um, but that stuff came because I got like really. I think I was like, it was like after high school, and I got like really into sort of like the technical aspects of rap, like when you breathe, how oh, rhyme yeah. schemes work. And things like that. And now, how, were you already writing? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. I started writing, like, poetry when I was, like, 11. Gotcha. Um, and I just, I haven't stopped. I don't know why. Mm. It's, I mean, you can testify to this. It, it's, it's easily the silliest writing art form to get into, I think. Like, you could very easily do much better writing, like, pointless critical theory. And like, actually <laughs> probably have more people read it. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, like you know, when people find out that you're like a published poet, they're like, uh, they're like, oh wow, can I didn't I... even know that was a thing anymore? Yeah, and the, uh, you're like, can I get it at Barnes and Noble? And you're like, well, that's not really the way it works. Not <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not the way publishing poetry actually works. <laughs> I would have to write like a rather large novel first, and then write a book of poetry, and then maybe the Barnes and Noble yeah. will carry it. <laughs> get your screenplay, and then that you can actually fund your your poetry. Yeah, it's the weirdest art form in that regard. I it's think. strange. Yeah, it's really strange. Um, I feel like there are other art forms that are going to go that way, where it's like, you know, who's the majority of your audience? Other poets. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, when I go to poetry readings, everybody there's a writer. Yeah. There's very few folks that are there um, that aren't somehow making literature. You know, that, that makes me think of something. So I was hanging out with a, with a friend of mine, and he has a buddy who's an artist, too. And I, his name is escaping me right now, but he said like one of the smartest things that I've heard recently, which is that like uh, that like talent is ubiquitous. He's like everywhere you go, there's like talented people. 
you know? And, like, that's something that I always understood, but actually, like, it kind of, like, changed the way, like, I frame art, you know? Or, like, the way, like, uh, art is, like, treated. Because, like, you're just saying, like, you go to a room, you do a poetry reading, everyone else in the room is, like, a poet. Yeah. Or, like, if you're doing, like, a gallery reading or whatever, like, almost everyone there is an artist, you know? And it got me thinking, it's, like, art, like, we, we tend to think of art in, like, terms of, like, commodities, right? Like, you make a painting, then you sell a painting. That's not like really the way it works. And it was this dude's thing that he said to me about talent being ubiquity that kind of like hit me to this. It's like, um, it's like art is like, uh, it's like, uh, it's unwaged labor. It's like feminist economics, you know? (laughs) It's seriously, it is. Like, so like the majority of art put out there, like, like no one makes any money on. And it, like, does perform a thing. Like, you hear a poem that you like and it makes you feel better or... There's a function there outside of... Yeah, you write a a poem that makes you feel better, right? You know what I mean? Like, so there's, like, this, like, um, emotional labor that, like, art performs or an artist performs that's, like, totally unwaged. And it, like, it kind of, like... That's something I've been thinking about recently is, like, how... uh, It's made me redefine, like what I want my art to be a lot yeah. and like the way like the way I sort of like define success as an artist um, because it's like well the, the very nature of the thing that I'm doing is like something that performs emotional labor well, and in like in like a non-wage way like I'm not punching the clock and doing eight hours you're of poetry you're not punching the clock <laughs> and what's interesting too is typically when you you know I'll say you get contracted to do a job mm-hmm you're either paid up front, you're paid half, or you're paid when it's done. Yeah. Like, you could write a book of poems. If it's successful, you may see residuals down the road. Or I'll just say something that's more like a film. Yeah. Like, you can make a film, spend all that money, spend all that time, and no one ever sees it. You don't make a dime. You could make another film, and it becomes a blockbuster, and you get rich for the rest of your life, and you're, you know, the residuals. But normal labor is not like that. No. Like, I come to an office, I type on a computer, I cash a check, I'm paid to come in and do that work. Um, you know, it's not necessary. it's contracted. Mm-hmm. I'm not like a contract worker, but there is an unemployment agreement, like, yeah. for a normal nine to five. But doing the work of making something creatively, you know, it's often, it truly is a labor of love. And if you get anything out of it, even praise at the end, kudos to you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, like, you have to, and everybody always tells you this, but you have to do it because it's it's just part of what you do. Yeah. Like, and poems are dumb. Yeah. But I love doing it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just love doing it. <laughs> yeah, I don't get mad when my wife is like, I'm sorry, babe, but poetry sucks. Like, I don't get mad because I'm like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> like, but I love it. it I love doing no it. It makes no sense, but I really like it. I yeah. like what you can do with it. And I mean, just writing in general, I, you know, mm-hmm. I wish I I wish I had more visual talent because I like to express myself that way, too. Yeah. It's like... You know, you know, do some collage art as well, right? I mean, that's yeah. a pretty big thing of what you're trying to... Yeah, the, the collage art is just something... It, it happened uh, because at the studio residency, we didn't have internet <laughs> for several months, so I couldn't get into my Google Drive files. <laughs> so you couldn't write? So you're like, fuck, I'm just going to cut some magazines up and... Yeah, so I like went down to like the, 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 the Walgreens in the corner, or like the Walgreens closest to the studio, and I was just like, I'm going to do something with this time. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like I, was like I was like, I got this fucking studio, I got it awarded to me, like, this is, like, 
a ridiculous honor that I don't even know if I entirely deserve. I'm going to do something with this time, you know? So, like, that's why that stuff started. That's why I started doing the collage, just because, like, I don't know, maybe that um, sort of, like, uh, I think dumbass working-class hero shit that we have, like, drowned in our heads, and it's sort of like, this is, this is, I have to produce. <laughs> I don't know, man. I felt that same sort of pressure when I was there. It wasn't, you know, I just felt exactly like you, like, whoa, I'm lucky. Mm-hmm. Two, this is, like, time I get to devote to just doing the stuff I want to do. Yeah. Why am I not going to just make the maximum use of it and it's hard when you're trying to you know spend time with your family too and you're like oh got all this stuff but you know I would have been in the same boat like I would have done something probably would have broke out PowerPoint and just made collage with a PowerPoint <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not that skilled with my fingers to, to, to cut all that stuff up um so you've got one book out mm-hmm. what else is in the what else is in the pipeline man uh well, I'm, I'm working on a collage project with uh, Neil Goss. Hopefully we'll have that ready by April. What's certain. your plans? How are you going to... Is it going to be like a gallery show or a gallery show and a book combined? Uh, we're hoping for a gallery show. Uh, a lot of the like sort of like collage poetry or the poetry that's assembled like on the pieces themselves kind of only contextually makes sense with the piece. Gotcha. So I thought about it. I was like, you know, maybe put together like a little chat book to go with it. But I was, like, looking at some of the work, and I was like, if I remove this from this, you know, surface, from these, you know, these textures, the things we're doing, it just, it has no meaning. It's just, it's like word salad. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like, it has no meaning then. Um, So, uh, I tricked myself, essentially. (laughs) I uh, caught Neil's show last weekend down at Cumulus. Mm -hmm. It was... Yeah, the lighting in that was really, really perfect for, for what he had going on. Um, so in terms of writing in this city, mm-hmm. you're a lifer, man. You're from KC. Yeah. What have you, and you've been writing poetry a while, you've been involved in the art scene for a while. What have you seen in terms of literature here and the community? Better uh, or worse than, than you remember? Is it a good time now to be writing in Kansas City? I think in some ways it's, like, better, uh, but in some ways it's not as good. Uh, I think in the ways in which it's better is that there's, like, way more, uh, like, funded avenues to do things. You know what I mean? Like, like there are people who are, like, giving grants to writers now, and and there are uh, people who actually like. Please tell us it. who those are. I'm yeah, sure the yeah. audience would be like, "Oh, who's <laughs> oh <giving> shit!" <laughs> but, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. there's more professionalized areas for you to be an artist, which well, is even helpful. Charlotte Street having the writers. What's that for? This is the fifth year that they've yeah, had that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's so, relatively new. Yeah, so you know, like that's a that's a brand new thing to have these sort of like professionalized atmospheres. But I think that came at a cost. Like, uh, there's a lot less. Uh, like there's a lot less outsider art now and a lot less outsider writing you know like there's not as many weirdos who get the microphone as there used to be and like that's kind of upsetting because that's like that's like kind of like my roots you know like you go show up to some random open mic and someone like uncrumples a piece of paper and you're like and you're like grabbing your seat you're like what the fuck's gonna happen (laughs) like where's this gonna go you know and they say something and it could be terrible or it could be good or uh, forgettable, like whatever, it might blow your mind. Who yeah. knows? But like, 
you know, when you see that and you see there's this place where there's, like, people can crumple out a piece of paper and get on a microphone in front of people and, like, have that expression. And, like, yeah, you're you're weird for, like, two minutes. But, like, after that, like, you did this momentous thing. Like, the first time on a microphone is, like, a momentous. Yeah. It's, like, that's a huge moment. It's a huge opener for people and what you get kind of addicted to it. Have you... Do you find yourself reading out much at all? No. Uh... We talked about, you know, this a little bit outside, but ever since I quit drinking, like, I don't really have, like, that gear in me. It kind of, like, shook out of me in the process. So, like, it's, like, it's actually, like, really, really difficult for me to do, like, readings. Like, I need to have, like, a, like, something to stand behind or something like that. You just get kind of nervous? Yeah, and I can't stop it. So, it's even when I calm myself down, like, I can't stop it. So, it's, like, my anxiety level has, like, shot through the roof ever since then. Um, So, it's actually... Like, being in public is sometimes hard now. Just but, in general? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, so, I was... Where do you think so, that comes from, man? I don't know. I don't Not know when it happened. too much time looking into it, like, what is going on here? You know, like, it feels like one of those, like, dangerous things. Like, you know, like, uh, you know, it's like those, uh, those, like, peel tab juice boxes you used to get at, like, the, used to get at, like, the, the grocery store, you know? Yep. Where it's like it's like a color, and it might you don't really know what the color is. You don't know what the flavor is, but the color tells you it's red. And if you peel it back, well, it's like you got to drink it. Like your grandma just bought it, you know. Well, yeah, and then she yeah. starts spilling everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to do it. You got to do it. Like it's a peel tab. You can't put it back on. So like, so like, there's a part of me that's like really hesitant about that. It's just sort of like, okay, well, if you can't go out today, if you can't like you know, go do this thing tonight, then that's fine. You'll just stay home with your notebooks or, like, watch TV with your wife or uh, play Legos with your kid, and yeah. that'll be okay, you know? Uh, but, yeah, like, the, the, the reading out gear is one that's, like, I'm trying to, like, work on because, like, you're supposed to as a poet. You're supposed to go perform. Yeah. Um, which I'm not a huge fan of, as I just said. Uh, I used to be, but I'm not now. Um, Do you get out to see many readings? Uh, I... You know, I think the last reading I was at was the Desolate Country reading. Yep. Yeah. Was that... Was that our, when was that? Yeah that, yeah, that was... Was that January? I think it was... December or January? Yeah, I think it was prior to that. December or January? It feels... It feels like a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we're living in accelerationism, dude. Like, we don't... Time has no meaning. <laughs> um, what do you think about all that? Do you... Are you constantly on your phone? Hmm? Are you constantly on your phone checking shit out? Uh, I go in phases. Yeah. Like, uh, if I, like, re-download a social media app that I've, like, previously deleted, then I'll go through it, and then I'll, like, delete it again. And you pull it off. So you are... You have decided recently here that you're just taking up... You've got some social media, but <laughs> you're really not that into... Being on it that much anymore was that for just sanity's sake? It was. It, I mean, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But it was also because it's like it becomes this burden on you. I and couldn't agree more, man. It drives it, me up the wall. It's like a burden, and it's also like, and the whole reason you do it is so like you can plug this commodity aspect of your art. You know, it only serves the purpose of the artist to get people to buy shit, which is good. I want people to buy my shit, but 
it just at the end of the day like I just can't provide enough energy to just be like spend eight dollars on something you never asked for yeah. you know <laughs> like I can't we'll have to get you to a marketing uh, I, like, marketing guru that's how you had to make it yeah I was just like I was like I was like how many hours a week how many boost posts is it gonna convince me that it is worth my time and my sanity as a person to convince people they want something they don't want. So do you, you know? <laughs> like, do they you didn't maintain a presence for just James, not James the writer? Yeah. For yeah. just family stuff. I mean, like my Friends. Instagram, my Instagram yeah. functions as both because, like, I'm an open book. Like, I don't. Um, but it's like it's just that. But you turned to kind of a different way of engaging with an audience. With your newsletter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I was thinking about like blogging, things like that. Like, you know, revive the blog. And then I looked at my website and I hated it. So I remade my website. I made a new website. And then I was like, blogging's a pain in the ass too. What's a form of doing this that I would actually enjoy that like feels intimate? And the people who want it are people that like actually want it. Yeah, they can unsubscribe at any time. Yeah. Um, they're not just like, you know, because like when they unfriend, like when someone unsubscribes from a newsletter, it's different than a Facebook unfriend. Yeah. I, you know, like when someone's like, well, you know, they probably get like a bunch of shit from Hulu on there too. They don't want to see it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but like, you know, when someone unfriends you on Facebook and they're like, you're, sp- you're band spamming too much. And you're like, well, that hurts. <laughs> That's my heart and soul. But, uh, but yeah, it's like more intimate and... It gives me, like, a structure and a space, you know? So it's like, okay, if I go over 500 words, then, like, like that's probably pushing it. Yeah. You know? If this is longer than a Pitchfork article, then I'm pushing it. You know what I mean? Like, like if... Uh, so I, I just kind of started doing it that way. And because I've just kind of recently decided that, like... I'm just the business, the, the, the arts professional thing isn't for me. Well, we talked recently and you basically said, look, this whole structure of work is not for me in this way. Not that you're not a hard worker or that you don't want to work. It's just like the way we're doing all this is fucking wrong. Yeah. It's like, and it doesn't work for you. Yeah. It's like, I don't like, and like, I knew this as a child yeah. and I don't know why I tried to forget it. You know, because I spent, like, almost all of my 20s and, you know, now I'm into half of my 30s, like, uh, you know, with, like, two to three jobs, you know. Uh, Maybe I was just trying to, like, beat it out of me or something. But it's like, I don't don't function well in the environment of work. I don't function well in the environment of capitalism in general. Uh, It doesn't, it doesn't hit me. It doesn't make sense to me. Um. I don't get the motivation, like, besides, like, subsisting, you know, like, like, if, like, if it gets me food, if it gets me, like, a place to live, uh, maybe some goo-gahs and baubles here and there, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, that'd be cool, I'm good with it. And, like, I don't know, I felt like trying to contort, like, the one thing that, like, gets to be mine all the time, like, my writing, to, like, fit that, it, like, felt like I was, like damaging myself in some way felt like I was like uh, I was not cheapening because like I don't want to make people who like make money or trying to make money off their art like feel like I'm attacking them but like it was it felt like I was doing personal damage like to myself 
And I was just like, nah, I'm just going to do things my way, and if it works, that's so fine. So what's the long game, then? Uh, the long game, you know? Because you want people to read you. Yeah, I want You've people to read me. You've got something to say. I want people to read me, of course, of course. You know, uh, all writers are uh, narcissistic. Like, we want people to come to our corner and think that we're smart and beautiful. and Yeah, uh, they want to hang out. Yeah. He's somebody I want to know. Yeah, <laughs> I want to hang out with this guy. Uh, he seems chill. Uh, you know, I think the long game is just continuing to make the work that I want to make in the way that I want to make it. And if anyone else wants to come along for that ride, they're fine with it. That's fine. You know, I'm, I'm probably going to, you know, I'm kind of like in the, the beginnings of a second collection. And I'll pitch that around. And if no one wants it, then I'll just put it out. Yeah. You know? And it's like, if you want this, that's cool. And if you don't. That's fine with me, too. I was doing this and I started doing this in middle school on my own. Keep doing it. You know, like, I'm not, like, I'm not going to stop now, you know? <laughs> right. I My first publishing was, like, last year. My first, like, book publishing with, like, a binding and everything was last year. So, like, you know, I'd already been doing this for uh, 22 years before anyone was like, yeah, I'll, I'll fucking slap some binding <laughs> glue on that. <laughs> so back to the newsletter. Mm-hmm. This is giving you a way to connect with your audience mm-hmm. that is at their will. Yeah. You're not imposing it on them. Mm-hmm. What's the plan there? Uh, like, what do you want to do with that? Uh, you know, it's kind of like an evolving process. Yeah. Like, you know, there's like some vaguely political things in there, like just like local stuff that kind of annoys me. You know, like the privatizing the streets in Westport. That one was annoying. Uh, and then, you know, like, um, whatever I'm working on with my art, you know, general updates, things like that. But I also just kind of wanted it to be sort of like a succinct personal blog. Yeah. Um, and, like, that's where it is. I think I think what it's turning into is going to be a fairly quick process. But... Um, what it does after that is on whoever wants Just to be a part of it. Roll. Yeah. Um, where? What's the name of the newsletter? Because uh, that's what I want to make sure people understand that you and I have talked about this in the past. Like newsletters are interesting beast these days. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really cool ones out there. Yeah, uh, I love Warren Ellis's. Pretty much. Have you ever listened to his podcast? He has a podcast. He's got. Uh, a podcast that he curates of nothing but just ambient space. Oh, the music. ambient. Okay, yeah. okay. The um, what is that called? I can't remember. Ghost. Yeah. I okay. Can't what it, yeah. What it yeah. Is. But yeah, yeah. He's he's a pretty talented dude. But yeah, his newsletter is great. But I think. Yeah, I love orbital operations. Getting so in good. that space and trying to do something interesting with it mm-hmm. is fun. You know. Yeah, and it's like. It's nice. It's nice to not just be, like, it's, like, delivered to you. Yeah. Like, I get your Have stuff. you gotten feedback? Uh, Has yeah. Has anyone written back? Yeah, and said, hey, people man, have written back. Yeah, uh, you know, like, people have written back and been like, this is great, I love this. Like, I've actually gotten positive feedback yeah. on it. So I've been like, okay, that's cool. Uh, you know. Yeah, no hate mail. Like, no hate mail, uh, which is odd, because I definitely thought the, the, the thing I'd, I wrote about the Westport sidewalks would have got me some hate mail, but it didn't. Um, you know, maybe that's assuming that people care 
enough about what I say that yeah. they're going to reply. Like, it's it's possibly that they're just like, oh, whatever. <laughs> it's old James. <laughs> <laughs> Ask that motherfucker. <laughs> Still talking that same old shit. <laughs> so what's the name of the newsletter? Uh, Out Here in Car Country. All right. Which and is that's also, the name the name, also the name of the website. All right. Where, what's your Instagram handle? Uh, just Poet James P. Uh, you it's still ver- on Twitter? Uh, no, not right. anymore. Uh, I dropped that because uh, it was... Because Twitter's fucking annoying. All Twitter became politics Twitter. Which is like, politics Twitter was the worst part of it. Like, and I'm a politically minded person, but like, uh, people who spend, who like... And, it, and it's not like normal people, it's like media people. Yeah. Like, people that work for, like, Mother Jones and The Guardian are insufferable human beings. And, like, I don't want to know what they're thinking. They're, like, all trash. They're terrible people. You don't get jobs at a newspaper like that without being probably a huge scumbag in the first place. You know? Like, especially, like, an op-ed writer. Like, yeah. if you get a job at the New York Times op-ed and you get paid, like, uh, you know, $500,000 a year to write 800 words on why your cab driver doesn't deserve to make a living wage or whatever, like, you're a bad person. And, like, there's no there's no excuse for you. <laughs> I don't want to know what you think about every day. Uh, and I'd prefer that you get cyberbullied. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, like, like, that's... It just created this, like, weird dynamic that I was like, I hate this. Why am I still doing this? I, I, and so I quit, and I was just like... It's an abyss, man. The only thing that kept me there was Kansas City Hip Hop Twitter. Yeah. Which is, like, the best Twitter. Uh, all of, like, the local rappers uh, and them going back and forth. Those are always fun conversations to get into. I like those. <laughs> local rap Twitter is really good. Um, but, yeah, that was the only thing that was making me stick around there anyway. Uh and you found you could get that somewhere else and just... Well, I mean, I was just like, I will, you know what I realized? I was like, I got this dude's phone number. Yeah, I know this guy. I'm just going to Yeah, like, I would just, I was like, if I want to talk to my friend about, like, a mixtape that's coming out, I'll just text him. Yeah. Like, I don't need to do it in this public forum where I also have to, like, punish myself with seeing, like, uh, 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 David Brooks columns. Getting retweeted, like getting quote tweeted. I don't, I don't want to see that. That's, that's the no way to live your life. You know what <laughs> I mean, no man? Way to live that's no way life. to live your life. All right. Let's see. What else? There were a few other things. Oh, name of the book. Oh, the name of the book is Poems from the Turnaround. It's put out by Spartan Press here in KC, but where can we buy it? Uh, it is being. I haven't been told where yet, but neither nor Zine Distro is distributing for me. In town. Okay. So they are going to carry the book. So it's either going to be at Revolution Records or Josie Records. Perfect. I believe. Prospero's have any copies? You know, I don't know. If not, go talk to Will. He'll, yeah. I'm sure he'll put them out for you. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, but yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm kind of just... I've unplugged a lot. <laughs> and, I don't think and, it's a bad thing, man. I mean, I'm looking forward to the next collection to see you know, whatever it is you're doing. That was James P. McNamara. His debut poetry collection, Notes from the Turnaround, is available now from Spartan Press, Kansas City, Missouri. You can find James on Instagram, at Poet James P., and his website is out there in carcountry.com. I want to thank James for coming and hanging out with me. 
I want to thank you all for listening. I want to thank Is You Is or Is You Ain't for the music. And I want to thank the people out there fighting the good fight. It's hard when you are uh, trampled day in and day out to stick to your guns and stick to what's right. But I got to think through all this bullshit that uh, truth will out. And not truthiness, but real truth. That's it. Until next time, I'm Jason Pru. If you want to reach out, litkcpod at gmail.com. That's L-I-T-K-C-P-O-D at gmail. We'll talk again soon. Bye-bye.